So in order to get the impact that was intended by this gospel and this scene that took place, we really need to understand what led up to it, because this was a buildup. Since Monday, our calendar and our liturgical calendar has had readings assigned Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then this Sunday. And there's been a progression of a story that started in John chapter 5, where Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And this triggered the Pharisees like crazy. And so you would see a back and forth in the preceding chapters of John up until here, which is kind of like near the end of 7 to the beginning of 8. And they're all wondering, you know, how they can trap this Jesus, kind of get a hold of him. And so it's even gotten to the point where the disciples and Jesus have a discussion about whether Jesus will be going to this feast or not. And Jesus initially says no, but eventually he shows up because Jesus likes to make an entrance. And so, speaking of which, what was going on? How did he enter into this feast? Right? What was this feast about? This was the Feast of Tabernacles. And you and I uh, hopefully know that when we usually say the tabernacle, we point to the golden box right behind the altar. And uh, the literal definition of the word tabernacle is just dwelling place. So this is the dwelling place of God, right? Um, so what were the Jews thinking about when they used the reference of the Feast of Tabernacles? So they were referring to their time in the desert after Moses miraculously you know, had them cross the Red Sea And they spent this 40 or so years in the desert. And obviously, they had to live in tents. So another word for this feast was the Feast of Tents. Tents or tabernacles. Okay, that's it. So this was a huge feast, and they remembered a huge miracle. During this time when they were in the desert, God commanded Moses, because where is there going to be water in the desert? So he commanded Moses to take his staff and strike the rock. And out of that rock flowed water. God would appear to the people who didn't have a compass. They didn't have GPS. So he would appear to them in the daytime in a pillar of cloud and appear to them at night in a pillar of fire. So there's lots of beautiful imagery that the people were hearkening to and remembering that was the purpose of this holiday, this feast. It's a week-long feast. The purpose of it was just to remember the great action God gave to his people. It's awesome signs and manifestations he made to them. Showed him, he showed him himself. So how would the people celebrate this feast? They would bring buckets or bowls of water and just pour them out, hearkening to the fact that God provided water for them. So you'd see water everywhere, kind of like, you know, Great Bear Lodge or Kalahari. There's water everywhere. Imagine little kids running around. And these would be kind of like libations, they call them, water offerings, uh, sacrifices. There would be fires that were lit all around the temple, and that was in hearkening to God appearing in the pillar of fire. And so, um, just a fun fact for you, because I don't know whenever I could mention this ever in a homily, the Levites, the, high, the priests of the, the priestly class of the people, they were consecrated, their clothes were consecrated. So what did they do with their underwear? So they would take it on this feast and light it on fire, the ones who passed away, because they're not going to hand those down, you know? This is a fun Jeopardy fact for you, okay? 
But there are so many fires uh, that even the historian Josephus said uh, that even Jerusalem at night looked like, you know, everything was visible. Because it was such a you know, uh, ongoing celebration. So, very colorful feast, right? So, I can imagine now. Okay, let's, let's imagine now this gospel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a visible, you know, uh, visible, whatever. Uh, what happens is Jesus, he comes up, right? And he stands up, and everyone's looking at him because Jesus showed up, and they're like, what's he going to say? And you can imagine, probably, he looked left, he looked right at all the water, and he says, is anybody thirsty? <laughs> it's like trolling the people, right? <laughs> Jesus, is, Jesus is playing with the, with the scene that's happening. Of course, there's water everywhere. How could they be thirsty? So, is anybody thirsty? Let him come to me and drink. And out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the impact must have been a very notable one. And then he continues, all these fires everywhere, and he says, I am the light of the world. He who walks after me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so Jesus is extraordinarily bold, right? He is definitely causing an impact. He's causing a scene, and everybody is hit by it. And I'm sure they went home and had extraordinary discussions about that. But the lesson that we can take from this, right, is that as we are now past the halfway point of Lent, you know, Jesus was saying, when you drink of him, right, not only will you be satiated, but out of your heart will flow rivers of water. In the same manner, those who have been doing an amazing job this Lent, I'm sure you feel that spirit moving in your heart, I'm sure you have those moments where you are able to speak very honestly, directly, and without hesitation about things that sometimes just need to be said, especially in regards to our faith and in regards to morals. Sometimes you just know that's the Spirit working in you and moving you, and I need to say this, and you need to hear it, and it's got to be bold, and it's going to have an impact, and some people aren't going to like it, and some people are going to be all about it, but you know at the bare minimum, it's going to cause a discussion. If you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe you can understand intellectually, but if you don't know it experientially, maybe you should live your Lent a little better, because you need to drink deeply of this source, Right? And let the water flow through you. That's what we're called to do. To be bold. To make a loud proclamation. To make a loud statement. We need to rattle the cage a little bit. We need to let the truth pierce the heart of people. The scriptures say that the word of God is like a two-edged sword. It pierces the heart of man. Either you're going to have to reject it or you're going to have to accept it. Our job, though is to allow us to be channels of water, living water, not just water, Jesus uses the word living water, it gives life, right? That ushers through our hearts to others so that they can also be impacted like we've been impacted. This is the intention of what we're supposed to experience throughout our fast and prayer and almsgiving of Lent. This is the transformation that we're supposed to have happen to us. We need some boldness today, my brothers and sisters. Jesus, I really think he was, a, he was an expert troll. He loved to, to mess with people, to evoke, you know, 
a response. And we need to be a little bit in the same manner to elicit a response. Christianity didn't spread because people just prayed on their social media um, page or on uh, between their four walls of their house. Christianity spread because people spread the word. Today, you're told you can't talk about faith or politics. Do you know why you can't talk about faith or politics? Because people are triggered so easily that you can't even have a basic conversation about truth and common sense anymore. That's an indication of a lack of virtue, not a lack of respecting others' boundaries. There's nothing wrong with having honest conversations about truth. People don't care about truth today, unfortunately, but your job nonetheless is to rattle that cage. You know what it resulted in with Jesus. The people who were looking after him eventually crucified him. So today, we need to drink deeply because you're not going to be able to give it on your own. So when you receive the sacraments, let it satiate you, let it fill you, and let it work through you. Amen.